Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sorry. Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science. Uh, Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Today is the February 8th, 2019 show. Uh, we just had our Chinese New Year just a couple days ago, and Happy New Year to uh, those who follow that. It always kind of messes me up because I'll probably still be writing Year of the Dog on my checks for a few weeks, but, you know, that's the way it is. Tonight's special guest is China McCoy, a Hollywood notable. He's a... Uh, He's he's a multi-threat, you know, if you want to call him anything, and, and and not a threat in a bad way, but very talented. He's been in the business for a while. He's uh, he's been in movies. He's uh, he's a writer, actually an author, um, man, you know, producer, does music. Um, di- didn't you do some stuntman stuff, Kaya? Yeah, surely did. Yeah, so he's he's. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a left coaster, and tonight he's got a, a an exciting new venture that he wants to uh, talk about, which uh, I'm very I'm very excited to 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 hear about uh, in in its fullness. So uh, welcome everybody, uh, welcome China to the show. So how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you for getting in here because I know you know we had a little timing mis- mismatch and you you really you dropped everything just to make it on time and I, I really appreciate that because it uh, first of all we get to do the show but second of all we get to do we get to keep you you know as long as possible so you can explain all of the things that are going on in your life. But before we get started, let's get a little background on you. I'm are, are you you know an LA transplant did you grow up there uh what where where'd you grow up man uh let's start from the womb to the tomb and uh yes. i haven't made it to the tomb yet let's start from the womb i was actually born in seville spain uh my dad was military and he brought me back to the state and i actually grew up an east coaster so my whole life has been Baltimore City, Washington, D.C., Florida, you know, so just all up and down the East Coast. Um, that's who I am. That's who I always will be. Then I moved to the West Coast in 95 to pursue the industry. And, and like, when you started. first, yeah, when you first got there in 95, what kinds of, what kinds of work did you find, you know, starting out? Because a lot of people, a lot of people well, think about, I, we're, I'm going to move out west. I'm going to jump into the industry, and I'm going to be doing movies. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to I'm going to be doing my dream, but it doesn't seem to happen that way very often. How did it happen for you? Yeah, uh, yeah I always like to say um, everybody. I used to always be like, yeah, just go do it. But everybody's journey is different, so everybody won't get the same result. Uh, me, I just felt like I was I was very lucky. I was also blessed and. Uh, I was determined to go to California, become an action movie star. That was all that's on my mind. And I got off the bus. <laughs> Funny story. 
I'm going to Hollywood was my goal. But I ended up on the bus going to San Francisco because I was so hell-bent on uh, getting to California that um, I didn't care where it was. I just figured all of California was Hollywood. But <laughs> thanks to the bus driver, he was like, um, you might want to go to L.A. for that. You're going, going the wrong way. <laughs> so I eventually, I, eventually got to, I eventually got to California with the help of the bus driver. He was awesome. And uh, as soon as I hit Venice Beach, I had duffel bag in hand, tank top, jeans, boots, and I walked onto the Venice Beach, and I was so marveled by it because I, on the East Coast, you only see it in magazines, see the bodybuilders. Back then, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those guys, Lee Haney and all sure. the big dudes. Yeah. So when I got there, I saw all those dudes in Muscle Beach. I was like, this is awesome. And some guy came up to me and said, hey, man, you want to be in the magazine? And I was like... Uh, what do I got to do? He's like, just stand there and take a picture with these two girls. I was like, okay. And that was like my first <laughs> photo shoot for, it was actually like a fitness little newspaper. I still have the cover of that. Um, and that was like my first job, like uh-huh. doing that. And, and then after that, people just kept asking to take pictures with me, and I would work out in the weight pit, and I was getting more pictures on CD covers, DVD covers. VHS cover boxes, just all kinds of stuff I was uh, getting into. Then I worked on uh, Pacific Blue, Baywatch back then, you know, all the all the shows, uh, VIP, Pamela Anderson had her own show. So, um, you know, I got to do all that, which was funny. Yeah. It was great. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you, you truly did back into the industry. You know, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, you know, you, you you get on the wrong bus, you walk out on the beach, somebody wants to take your picture, and the next thing you know, you're at least not you're not necessarily in the industry, but you're in a place where you can get seen, and that that seems to be the universal challenge to get seen, to get noticed. You know. Yeah, and it just found it interesting uh, that it happened that way. And, like, because of, uh, I guess, being physically fit at the time, you know, and just always being in shape and I'm doing flips and kicks all over the beach, people were like, man, we just love to take pictures with you. And at one point, I was called the most filmed guy in Venice. <laughs> okay. You mean, like, like pictures? Like or or, or did you did okay, but did you and and then what was like your first motion picture gig? Uh, my first motion picture gig, which is funny. Um, when I hold on, let's go to this. When I got to okay. California, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone. Sure. So yeah, I was living on the beach, and I'm doing okay, and I'm working on Baywatch and Pacific Blue and and all these. Uh, different jobs and I would say my first gig where I was not just an extra I say was Pacific Blue because I was working with a stunt coordinator called Corey Eubanks and you know you're a beach guy I was working back then when uh, uh, I was working with uh, Momoa who's now Aquaman okay so, uh-huh. and uh, he said hey man I, my friend is the director of you know, this episode coming up on Pacific Blue, and since you, you know, you're always a good guy, you always help us out, 
once you play a bad guy in the episode. So that, in that moment, I went from living on the beach as a, and doing extra stuff on the beach to being one of the leads on the show in Pacific Blue. Damn. So just in, just like that that fast. And then uh, right after that, I also worked with uh, Damon Wayne because he gave me a job on Low Down Dirty Shame. So it was stuff was happening, and then all of a sudden Matrix hit. And Matrix happened where I was sitting on the beach one day, and a friend of mine walked up to me and goes, hey, man, a friend of mine um, is doing a movie, and they need somebody to double, like, the lead, you know, because I know you flipping kick. Uh, why don't you come out tomorrow and audition for it? Goes you down? I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not doing shit. That was my exact word. <laughs> he said, okay, so pick up in the morning. Next thing you know, drove me out to Burbank. Didn't know what Burbank was, and I just knew it was a long drive. Mm-hmm. Got out there, and I walked into this big warehouse, and there was Lawrence Fishburne, who I had just talked to a week ago in Venice at the Sidewalk Cafe, which was a lot. <laughs> and then I, ran, okay. then, I ran into him, then I ran into him again on Venice Boulevard when he was driving up the street. So it was funny seeing him there at the place. Then Keanu Reeves came out, and I saw Terry Ann Moss, and I knew her from Model Zinc. You know, I was like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. I know. And then I saw Wu Ping. Then, you know, like I was really in like heaven because I grew up on animation and kung fu movies and, and, and anime and cartoons. So Wu Ping is big in my world. Maybe not in the regular world, but, you know, he did Sister Legend and Iron Monkey and all the awesome kung fu movies that we watch. And he was there. So I had to audition for him. And I did what I did on the beach. I just did it there. And he was like, perfect, you're the guy. And next thing you know, I was on a plane to Australia and doubling Morpheus. Uh-huh. Wow. So, so lightning does actually strike people in terms of, you know, be, you know becoming in the industry, becoming a, an actor and stuff like that. I mean, you, your, your story is almost like a dream story, you know? But, but that belies the fact that A, you were available, B, you were in good shape, C, you paid attention. And, and I, I think the, the one thing that people should really embrace is the, is the fact of how important networking is. Would you agree with that? Yes, very important. Very, very important. So, mm-hmm. And so now... Um, well, what's what's the latest thing that you've done, either in TV or or motion pictures? Um, well, the latest thing I did, uh, I went to China, did a movie with uh, my little brother Tiger Chen, and he's actually best friends with Keanu Reeves. They actually did a film together called Tai Chi Master, and Keanu Reeves actually produced Kung Fu Hero or Kung Fu Man, which was shot in China for Tiger. And then after that, I did another TV show for uh, China, uh, which is pretty good, called The Billionaires. And then I came home, and I did a show called uh, Lazarus. Actually, it's a movie, so it should be out this year. And I'm also working on another film, which uh, just got picked up and produced, called Dead to Right. I'm pretty busy, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty blessed in a different way. Because remember you were saying how lightning in Hollywood looks out for you, and, you know, it catches you, and people kind of get that lightning in a bottle sometimes? Yes. Uh, 
the difference is, in my case, is a lot of my friends, they are working. They're working on the WB. They're working on Sony Pictures. They're working on Netflix movies. You know, they're doing all these great things, and I'm proud of that. But the difference in my situation is, is that I'm working on a lot of films that are based around myself. So at the end of the day, you know, a lot of them are still asking for work where I'm creating my own work. It's a big difference. Well, explain that just a little bit more. You, when, when you say you're working for yourself, are, are you talking about building up, I guess the best word would be like a personal mystique you know, um, uh, utilizing or, or exploiting the culture of, um, I don't know, being being a personality, you know, the, 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 yeah, the culture of personality to, to extend your career, to continue your career, or it, do you have a better way of explaining it? Because I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Well, uh, how I'm putting it is pretty much, like, for example, me and you are both in the business together. Me and you are both actors. You go out to a lot of auditions. The agent sends you out on. People call me for work. Or they send okay. me emails okay. and I get a text. You see, so I don't, I don't have to go through that process. I went through that process when I first got here, and I started realizing what was the way to do things. So... That worked out in that aspect. And as I got more knowledgeable about the industry, I realized, wow, it's much better to actually, like, do your own thing. That way you don't have to constantly ask for people no, no matter how big you get. Well, it sounds to me like you, you have created yourself as a sellable commodity. You know, not not someone who has like exactly like you said. You don't have to go looking for work. People know who you are, so you have the, you you know you have sufficient visibility and a good enough reputation that people are going to seek you out, knowing that you are a reliable, you know, a, a reliable person, a reliable commodity in terms of the industry. Would that be fair to say? Yes. Um, the Matrix definitely helped out a lot with that because people were like, wow, you know, you did. They saw the movie. The movie changed the face of filmmaking, and people were like, wow, you are actually a part of real history. And mm -hmm. once people find out that I've, I've worked on that, they're like, that's incredible. And then they go back and look and go, wow, that is you. And so now here's a funny story how things go full circle. After Matrix 2, I was kind of like, I really want to kind of do my own thing. I don't want to be a stuntman for the rest of my life. So I'm ready to make the ultimate sacrifice, be a stuntman make a lot of money, buy a house, live good, lobster and steak, or try to become my own person and eat noodles and tuna fish. And I chose to eat noodles and tuna fish and created my own path. So the ironic thing about that, when I left the Matrix, um, a gentleman who knew my skill as a stuntman and martial artist and acting, he said, China, I'm doing this movie. It's called Game Over and I want you to be the star of it. He goes, right now, you're the only person in Hollywood that can act and fight. So a stuntman being an actor is kind of taboo during that time and vice versa. Right. So you couldn't, okay. couldn't be both. 
But, you know, I, I was I was never one to follow the rules, so I kind of did what I felt benefited me. So the person who helped produce that, uh, <clears throat> fast forward, you know, 15 years later, he goes, wow, what are you doing these days? I'm like, oh, I just wrote some scripts. Uh, I wrote a script called Inmate. I wrote another one called Killers and Killers. I got another one called Dead to Rights, uh, which a, a good friend and brother of mine wrote, uh, R.L. Scott. And uh, he was like, I love it. He saw some of the stuff I did. He's like, I love what you got. Let's make it happen. I'll produce it and put some funds in to help you get it made. And Very cool. So now I'm actually getting ready to shoot a film that, again, I am the lead of this. This vehicle is mine, and I'm not asking for a job. I'm creating Man. a job. So I, you, you, yeah, you, well, first of all, I, I admire your history because it's one based upon accomplishment. You know, not like no, nobody just gave you anything. You still had to earn your way up. Oh, and by the way, somebody yeah. in the chat room wants to know: Did you um, did you ever work on on uh, any of the John Wick movies? Didn't work on John Wick, but the funny story is the director of John Wick. Me and him first started in Hollywood together, and our, both our first big movies was The Matrix. His name is Chad Stahelski. Chad, okay, on, Chad. Chad doubled Kiana the whole time, and I doubled Morpheus. And then later, Chad went off, and he stuck with stunts. I actually tried to talk him into acting. He didn't want to do it. He loved stunts. Um, he stuck with Kiana through all the Matrix. And then uh, later, of course, Kiana and Chad became friends. So fast forward again, and they collabed together, and Chad is actually now the director of all the John Wick films. See how Hollywood works? <laughs> It is kind of, it, it, you know, when you think about it, you know, people don't realize it, but it really is pretty incestuous, you know, in that, 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 that group of people that you start out with and, and who you grow to trust, you do some work with, you know, it, those people tend to stick together and work with each other, you know, for, for quite some time. Um, and, and I think it has to do with, being able to rely on people or knowing someone well enough that you can rely on them. Because uh, I think the last statistic I heard was that less than 2% of the people employed um, in the movie and television industry out in Hollywood are, are work, working full-time. And, and so everybody has to hustle up to, to try to get some work. You went the other direction. You made yourself a bankable commodity and work comes to you, and, and that's got to be the greatest feeling in the world for you. Um, yes and no. Uh, and, and you'll figure out why, because you think I would be like, yay! But it's yes and no because, for example, I did a lot of independent movies, um, action-based, that I didn't get paid for. But okay. I am on the front of the the DVD cover boxes. I'm like the star player. Um, right. I've been in situations. I've been in situations where there were me and a few other actors on the front of the box, and the producer called me up later and said, "China, uh, the people saw the movie and they took everybody off the box, but they want to keep you on the front." And I was like, "Wow, it was a collaborative effort. You know, we all did it." 
They're like, yeah, but that's the way they want to go. So congratulations if you're you're the man on the front. So I felt like, wow, that's a blessing. So it's a blessing because I have movie box covers or DVD box covers where I can say, okay, I'm in this movie, I'm in this movie. You don't have to look for me because I am on the cover. The difference right. is you're getting I'm that exposure. I'm getting, sometimes, and there's a lot of people in the audience that may not understand, the exposure is far more valuable than the paycheck. Because later, well, the, exposure, the exposure will get you more down the road than the paychecks you may be getting at the time that you did that movie. Okay. So, for example, you know what I mean? Like, so I can go on with someone else, and they can ask for something, and they go, well, what have you done? And they'll have to go through their reels to find their parts and stuff that they've done to ask for a price when they get on the film. Sure. Me, I can go on and say, this is what I've done. You can see for yourself, I have a history of carrying a movie. Sometimes people won't hire you if you can't carry a movie. But if they know you can right. carry an entire movie, you will get the job. And I've carried films so they know that I'm capable of carrying an entire movie. That makes all the difference. So that's what I mean sometimes the paycheck is not as good as the exposure. Well, and someone told me, someone said this, and then I, I just, I, I stole the phrase. They said the coin of the realm out there is not money, it's ego. And ego in terms of, you know, accomplishment, in terms of how other people perceive you, you know, that whole, mm-hmm. that whole personality thing. And, and it, it seems that you're confirming, you know, something that someone told to me. And, and I understand the part about, you know, yes, I did not get paid for this, but I got the exposure, I'm on the DVD cover or whatever. That's got to be pretty damn important. So that, that is, I mean, that, that seems to be as good or even better than money. Because suppose you just got, you know, whatever, you got scale for a movie, or, or even worse, less. And then, right. then your name is buried in the credits and nobody knows you're in there. But right. you know, if you but if you're the headliner right on, on, on the front of the DVD cover, that's worth that's worth money, because there there's worth. there's carryover that's longer than that money is going to last you. Yes, that that's 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 exactly my whole point. So exposure sometimes is much more valuable than money. Yeah, and if you're held in money, you won't make as much you won't get as much exposure because you're too focused on the immediate paycheck and not the long-term goal. Sure, sure. Um, if you were to estimate over a year's time about how, what's, what's the percentage of time that you think you're actually devoted to working in the industry in a year? And then, you know, how much time do you spend in other endeavors, maybe to cover bills or whatever you have to do? Or are you fortunate enough right now that all of your work in the industry covers everything that you do? I've been fortunate enough that the industry has constantly kept me busy. I mean, I've Uh got a side job, but the industry has always been there to keep me working. So sometimes I'll be like, man, 
this is downtime in Hollywood. I just need to go find me some fun gig to do on the side. And every time I think about doing it, Hollywood calls me for a job. <laughs> That's pretty lucky. That's pretty yeah, lucky. So it's almost like Hollywood's like saying, don't get too caught up on this. You came here for that. And it, it, always, it feels like it always keeps trying to remind me, like, you came here for this. This was your dream. This is why you left the East Coast. Don't ever right. forget it. Yeah. And and are you pretty happy with what you've done so far, you know, how you've been busy, the kinds of people you've met, the work you've gotten? And, and, and let's be honest, you know, at least the accolades that you get showing that you're a decent person, that you do well, that you can deliver, like you said, that you can carry a movie? Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that I, I was successful. Let's just say if the world ended tomorrow, I can say that I came here to do what I said I was going to do. Right. Right? I, said I, I came here, said I was going to become an uh, action movie star. Never said what level, but said what I was going to do. Said I was going to be in movies. And I've been in everything. I've been in movies, TV shows, commercials, and I've traveled the world doing movies from Australia mm-hmm. to, to China. So... Yes. Am I happy with the accomplishments that I've done so far? No, because I know I can always do better. And yeah, really but you know what? Until you do better that to your expectations. Oh, come on. Now, let's be honest. No matter how well you do in 2019, aren't you always going to feel like you know, you could do better, that you are still a work in progress. I mean, I don't, I, 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 you don't sound like the kind of person who's going to plateau out and go, yeah, I made it, and I, and I can just lay back oh, oh, and no. watch everything happen. No, 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 no. I'm not a plateau person. I'm one of those, 2019, let's say, for instance, 2019, all three of my movies got made. Not, I'm, I'm, I've done all three movies. In my head. Right. Hell yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy beyond this. But am I happy where I'm at? Hell no, I'm not happy where I'm at because I know well, I'm are you be con- better. Yeah, it's the difference between I, being happy and and being content. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not a. I can't, I'm never content, but I'm always happy. Right. So I'm always happy. So, but I'm not content. So content is what keeps me. It keeps me going. It will never. Have me go, well, yeah, I've made it. I did what I said I was going to do, so I'm good. I'll just live off my legacy. No, 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 no. The legacy will keep going as long as I'm still alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. my death, the legacy will keep going. You know, some people kind of retire. Now we ain't got time to retire because, you know, death does not care. So yeah. it's like you just got to keep getting it in and keep elevating as much as you can. Yeah, somebody asked me the equivalent question for being a writer. So what happens, let's say you win a Hugo Award for the best science fiction series of the year. Are you, are you, are you going to lay back? Are you going to just quit? Are you going to, and I said, hell no, I can't, I can't imagine me stopping. You know, I can't imagine me, you know, even though I joke with people because I am kind of crotchety, I tell them I'm a rocking chair in a porch away from being that guy. I don't think I'm ever going to be, be able to retire 
and, and just lay back in that rocking chair and watch the world go by for the rest of my days. So, so that's a good thing on your part, you know, and, and believe me, I get it. All right, so let's, uh, you know, now that people know a little bit about you and the fact that uh, they can, you know, that, that you, you have experienced this level of success, uh, do you have some place, maybe online, where people can go and at least check out, you know, uh, your accomplishments, or, or is it just a matter of going to IMDb and putting in China McCoy? Yes, uh, they can either go to IMDb and put in China McCoy. They can go to Google, just type in China McCoy. A lot of things will come up. They can go to YouTube and type in China McCoy. Um, they can go to Facebook and type in China McCoy's fan page, and they can see all the stuff I've done there. Um, and that's not even all the stuff I've done because I'm still doing. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. But it's, they can get a glimpse into my world as far as what I've done from the time I got here up till this point. Um, and uh, it's such a humbling experience. You know, for me, a lot of my friends say, how come you never tell people what you did? Well, because I'm not into, you know, looking, looking back, you're, you're, right. you're, looking, you're looking forward. Right. Unless you ask me what I'm doing, I'll never tell you what I'm doing. Most of the okay. time, I've had people always come to me saying, dude, I heard you played on this, or I heard you done that, or hey, man, I just saw you on, or people would send me inboxes. I was going through Netflix, or I was going through Vulu or Vimeo, and I saw you in this movie. Look. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. It's like, oh, I didn't know you did all this. I was like, oh, I appreciate it. And that's just where I stay. You know, because right. I know at any moment, this can be taken away from me. So, and I feel like I'm not above or beyond anyone. You know, we're, we just have different jobs, different dreams. That sure. So, very cool. You know, I, I'm very appreciative of, of what I've got and what I'm trying to do. And, you know, I, I'm always about other people. You know, sometimes my wife gets on my case about that because you know, <laughs> I got a, a philanthropy spirit in me that I always want to do for others first, then me. You know, it's just like this uh, film studio I'm trying to do right now. It's for us as a people. And uh, I just want to make sure that everybody gets the same chance that I got or didn't get. Well, let's talk about that because uh, that's, that's your, your next big thing. Um, and actually, that, that's what, what prompted me to get back in touch with you. Uh, we were going to put together, we were helping put together a, a convention that fell through, but but that's uh, that's I mean that was how I first met you. I met you uh, I met you online, you know, uh, doing yeah. video conferencing for that thing, and and uh, then I saw, you know, one of the things that I saw on Facebook was you were interested in putting together a movie studio. So do you do you want to just describe generically what it is that you're you're looking to do? Um, right now I'm focusing on, uh, uh, if the audience members know about anything about Warner Brothers or Sony or Paramount Pictures or DreamWorks, they're massive studios, they create great content. Um, but my goal is to have that same approach, but for, 
you know, as I said before, more for the collective, more for us, to, to, so we could tell our stories through our lens, our vision, our our perspective. You know, so people can see the truth of who we are. You know, as kings, gods, comedians, heroes, superheroes. You know, villains. You know, all the things that you don't really get to see from the way it should be told because someone else is telling what they think they know of us but don't. And it's also to help the independent filmmakers like myself um, who don't get the chance, who, who want to get their scripts to Warner Brothers and, you know, who want to be a part of that, that, that upper echelon, you know, so you can come to me and be like, hey, I got this script but I don't have an agent and I don't want it to be unsolicited. And I was like, no, let's see what you got. You know, talk to my management team. What do you think we can do? Can we do this? Can we get the funding? Can we shoot this ourselves? What do you think? And then we work to bring that person's dream. So it's pretty much like I want to bring other people's dreams to reality along with mine. That's kind of, that's kind of what I want to do with this movie studio that I'm trying to, uh, create. I want to take a lot of money, too. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it always does. I mean, first of all, you know, making movies is expensive. And the other, the, the B part of making movies is it's, it's a risky endeavor. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why independents, people of color, can't get the kind of coverage. They can't get their, their, their movies made because Hollywood is so risk-averse that you don't find people who can provide the funding necessary for this expensive industry very easily. Right. Because they, you know, everybody wants to, you know, they want a sure thing. They go, well, you know, we've rebooted Spider-Man six times. Let's just do it again, and we'll still get people come and pay for the tickets. Or, you know... Things like that, and then and then you have the successes of uh, well, you've got let's see. Recently, you have uh, you got Black Panther, and then what what was that Asian one that just came out? Let's not even say Black Panther. Let's just go back to to uh, go back to Jaws. Go back to Star Wars. Go back to ET. So when people say when people say. Uh, it's a risky endeavor. Like, right. I, I, I would love to challenge them on that because if Hollywood is such a risky endeavor, why does it keep making money and why is it still operating? So it's not risky. You, 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 may, you may want to say it's risky, but yet you keep bringing in billions and billions of dollars from your movies. Now, let's just, be, let's just do a thing called real talk or straight talk. Okay, cool. Straight talk is understanding people. Once you understand people, you understand what people like. You know what they like because Hollywood tells you. We just did the Incredibles. We made $2 billion, $2.5 billion. We're doing Incredibles too. Okay, so now it goes to show you that people don't want to look at Polar Express with Tom Hanks' train movie. They want to see superhero Incredible movies. You know what I mean? People don't want to see this drama over here with people crying. They want to see uh, uh, Fight Night. You know what I mean? So Hollywood sure. is telling you what people want, and people are showing you, we want this because these movies are making so much money. 
So if someone wants to open up a movie studio, it's not risky because these movies have proven over and over again, even from Twilight to all the Batman films, that money is there to be made and it's not risky because they always get their money back unless you invest in something that people don't really like to watch. And nine times out of ten, if it's action-related, horror-related, comedy horror, action, or sci-fi, it's going to make money. And if it doesn't make money in the box office, don't let it fool you because it makes money in DVD sales and it also makes international money. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. international people make American movies. That's why all the stars who fall from grace start making movies overseas and they make international money. And they're on all these DVD boxes that you don't really get to notice because you're like, wow, they went off and did this movie? I didn't know they did this. Yeah, because they're making movies on the side. See, so... I always say when people say it's risky business or you need a name, you know, to make a movie, let's use Underworld, for example. You don't need a name. You didn't have names in Underworld. You had Kate Beckinsale, who wasn't anybody. She was like that third third or fourth fiddle uh, in a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. And somebody sure. saw her and thought she would be good in this action horror movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that was, that, was, had, that was her husband, wasn't it? Her husband put her in that movie, right? Not then. Not then. Oh, he he didn't do the first one. I see. I don't know the history. Yeah. So it was just like, okay, now she's in this movie, and now she became a big star during that time. Sure. But before, before that, nobody really knew who she was. So there are a lot of movies well, made me, with no name. So like, let me ask you this. You know, from from external. From the outside looking in, the majority, the majority of the people who make the decisions whether or not to, you know, fund a movie, it seems like the majority of those people are gatekeepers whose primary job is to say no. And so, and and so, then then, if I'm going to think logically. Then the problem with having, or the yeah, the problem getting a movie made actually falls back on the content creators or the producers who are trying to push content. And what they're doing is they're pushing bad content, and that's why you get so many gatekeepers saying no. So it sounds it sounds to me like okay, it's not that hard to get a movie made, but the caveat is is that you have to have something of quality to start with. Is that fair? And, and the fact that it, I, there's a disconnect for me, right? As I'm sitting here right now, there's a disconnect because I know good and damn well how many pilots there are for TV that are made in the spring every year. Mm-hmm. And out of all of those pilots, you get maybe six, seven, or eight done you know, at, that, that make it at least to having a first run you know, on, on – uh, on television. You know, they may not get a second season because they didn't execute well. They, they may not get a second season because the writing was crap. So, and, and then, you know, as far as movies are concerned, you, sitting back, yes, there are some independent movies that do get uh, distribution enough that you hear about them. And, and, you know, they are not relegated. Well, there is no blockbuster anymore, but they're not relegated to that big bin 
in uh, Walmart where they've got, you know, 500 DVDs just laying there that they picked up for a dollar a piece and they're trying to sell them for 9.99. So, right. so what's the what's your formula? How how are you going to exploit the process to be to be able to have to be to turn out bankable content because we all know that content is king and we all should be aware of the fact that right now there's just over 50 different outlets that are streaming or selling movie content and all of them need content so what's going to be what do you think your formula is going to be to overcome at least the the, the traditional inertia of the industry and, and bootstrap your venture because it sounds like if you can put together a good business plan moving forward, if you can get good script coverage, which doesn't take a genius, you can read a script and tell whether it's going to be good or not, and, and even if it's marginal, if you still get great people, those people can, can make the magic of the script come, come to life. So do you have a formula or are you just going to be using are you have you decided best business practices um what what kind of business model are you generally looking at in the beginning on your for your path to success um well you 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 said a said a lot in that little short time but let me Yeah I did I I'm sorry I'm sorry no, 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 yeah okay because it, it makes it easier because I can make make a I can make the feature film into a short. So here we go. Okay. The fact that we have so many streaming networks, right? It's right. easier to it's easier to get people onto a streaming system. Now, with that being avid, as, uh, uh, good for us, that being good for us, we can either as a studio, you can develop your own streaming service, or you can say, I'll make movies, give them to Netflix, and let Netflix pay us for our work. You know what I'm saying? So you can make revenue yes, without yes. keeping out revenue. So you can still be king without work. It's called pretty much you can work smarter without working harder. So there's really nothing to overcome. Because as long as you know the market, you're always going to win. Uh, we already see what people like. People love superhero films. Since superheroes came onto the to the since superheroes came onto the scene, it still hasn't stopped. They're still having overflows of superhero films and or hero films where everyone's not wearing a cape. Hero TV mm-hmm. shows, every like that industry is just not going to die. And then, you know, and then when Halloween rolls around, people start getting more into, like, the Jason, you know, the little action, the little action horror films. They start getting into the werewolves and vampires, which is a genre that will never die. So as long as our studio is pumping out that kind of quality material, it's going to fly. Now, think about this. If you go on Netflix, you don't know who half the actors are in 90% of those movies. You have no clue. But when you watch it, you'd be like, wow, that was a pretty good movie. You have no idea who you got to rock, <laughs> right? You don't, because they're not names. You don't need names because once the once the digital era came in, no right. no one no one relied or no longer needed Hollywood for permission. 
like, I'm going to make a great movie without you. But mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. my friends, like Matt Damon, <clears throat> and when they came on the scene back then before Hollywood took them in, they came on as independent. Next thing you know, they're doing their own thing. The next thing you know, they became their own stars. Next thing you know, they're Hollywood heroes. Or became Hollywood mega giants. So it's just like that as long as you have an era where you can be the king of content, as long as you can continuously create content, you will be king. See, Netflix, before they weren't creating content, they were begging for content. Now they made enough money where they can now finance films, which becomes Netflix original. You see what they did there? Sure. No one saw that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and that's what you do. So let's say, for instance, <clears throat> my company, you know, uh, 1862, I'm sorry, 1863, The Collective, right? Right. Say we decide, well, we're going to do what Redbox should have done. We're going to start streaming our own streaming channel and all the quality hero and action films and horror films. You know, we're going to be like Monkey Paw, but bigger. You know, Monkey Paws are making great films. You know? Sure. Uh, they did one film called Upgrade. It was amazing. They got another horror film that's great come out. I think they did The Black Klansman and some other stuff. Like, so they're doing their own thing. You understand? So, and that's what it's all about. If you can do your own thing and create great content, you will win. If you understand. Like you said something that was really important. You could take a horrible script and get great people together and let them go to that script and turn that script into something incredible. You see what I'm saying? So Absolutely, that's something, yeah. Hollywood, that's something Hollywood refuses to do. Hollywood will put it through, oh, my God, you remember, come on. Come on, William, like back in the day, you send a script to Hollywood, they would tear it apart, it would go down to the basement, and they would put it through development hell for like five years. No, and then, and then they would hope that you forgot that you gave them the script, and then they do a script that was just a hair's different from that, not give you your money, and then make a whole ton of money off of it, and then you have to sue them for having taken your uh, <laughs> taken your stuff. Yes, no, I know about that process, but but I, you know, it seems like you have chosen a very very easy business model, a business model that that can't fail as long as you're serious about how you conduct your business. You, you see right. what I'm saying? It seems like if, you're, if, if you stick with quality work, you're, go, you're, going to be, you're going to be successful. Because if you're not a, a, a mega studio, if, if a studio goes and... Uh, um, they they do everything including distribution. They usually have to make what four uh, four dollars for every dollar they spent. Is that about the ratio? Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure, but it seems like that. But your your business model sounds like you know you can you can make thirty forty fifty percent of what you made the movie for uh, above what you made the movie for, and still be successful and have dollars in or you know uh, enough to make the next movie. You know, it, you, you don't have to support a lot of infrastructure that would be very, very expensive for you to support. So it's, it sounds like a, a, a much leaner 
more sustainable business model. And that it is, and that's the goal. I've also thought about okay. putting the movie out at the same time I release it in theaters, put it out online, and people can buy it. I mean, not buy it, they can pay to watch it online because not everybody goes to the movie theater. Right. So if you drop, right. you drop, say we did Into the Spider-Verse, and we decided to drop it in theaters everywhere, you know, also put it online for a limited time at that same time. Right. Because a lot of people will right. pay, pay the same price online to watch it at home on that big screen in the comfort of their home as they will leave in the theater. Well, going to the theater is, is damned expensive now. I mean, two people, one movie, you could easily spend 50 bucks. 50? That's it. The food alone is uh, just 50. We're not talking about the tickets. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my weight down, you know. But yeah, no, I I know what you mean. It, it or you know, stop to think about a family. A family could almost you know chew through a hundred bucks just to go to a movie. A family of four, that's a lot of money. Let me tell you, a pretzel, a soda, and popcorn is like twenty five dollars alone. And we're not talking about for two people. We're just talking about the price yeah. of that by itself. Yeah. Well, and nowadays, you know, people have bigger screens, they have better sound systems, and 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 can have a a very a very good viewing experience and not have to leave home. You know, it used to be well. You know, go ahead. See if I put some movies out online uh, like that same time I do it in the theaters, and I start uh, getting the world used to that process, everybody will follow my lead. Sure. Sure. Well, the last thing Hollywood – yeah, nobody, and nobody, can, uh, nobody can, can accuse Hollywood of being innovative. I mean, they're still stupid about the fact that, you know, they created all of their content – and and they created and distributed all their content digitally, and and you know they still act like they never thought of the, the possibility of people taking that digital content and and watching it anywhere, or downloading illegally, or uploading illegally, or whatever. You know, same thing with the music industry. You know, you, you know, you, the, as as the technology changes, you have to change, and so now. You know, like you said, people can get a movie the same day that it comes out, you know, and watch it at home. Why not Why not exploit that model and, and, and get revenue from it? So that makes a lot of sense to me. I never even thought of that. So where are you yeah. on your steps like to I'm doing trying. your theater right now? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I'm trying to be like, I'm trying to look at the world like these people are like a taxi cab and I'm like, the Uber. You okay. Know, I'm coming along and changing the game in that aspect, uh, winning given the opportunity. Because what that avoids also is doesn't give the people who like to, uh, what is it called? They copy your movies. Or oh, black, uh, what is it called? They, uh, uh, I, 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 bootleggers, yeah, okay, yeah. 
I've forgotten that word. It, it doesn't. It doesn't give the bootleggers a chance to bootleg your film. Because if I put it out right. in movies and I put it out on on and I stream it at the same time, bootleggers don't have a chance to bootleg it because it's already online. And it also sounds like you've you've taken into account you know whatever losses you may have they're built into the system so that they're not going to cripple you. Is that fair to say? That's the first thing I think about. Yeah, because you can take okay. a lot of losses just doing it by theater only. I mean, the Spider-Verse was already on the Internet while it was still in theaters. But if they had to put that online and in theaters at the same time, a lot of people, wouldn't, a lot of people who saw it on, on the Internet didn't have to pay for it because it's free. Right, right. Bootleggers got to it. If you beat the bootleggers to the punch, you win the game. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so so where where are you in the planning process? As pro, plan, excuse me, <laughs> can't speak to me. <laughs> where are you process. in your planning planning process right now? Uh, good good way to put it. Uh, the planning process now. I'm in uh, to raising funds, uh, which is not easy to do. Like I said. It's a task trying to ask others for money to create something for others. Um, so right now, you know, we're trying to come together, build a real nice, comprehensive, strong business plan, a real solid, real solid one where people can feel like, okay, this is feasible, this is doable, this makes a lot of sense. And uh, man, I just and, and I just need my audience members, I need my people, I need the world to just start coming in and, and help fun the journey because the journey is not an easy one um especially for someone like myself because they'll be like well you've never owned a studio ever and you you know you've never owned any industrial property why should we give you money for a studio so we have to show them that as a collective this is why we can do it if we can get black panther a billion dollars so this this is something else the audience needs to think about let's talk about black panther real quick black panther is a film about people in a king of Wakanda and supposed to be in Africa, made-up place. And, you know, the black culture went crazy. Yes, finally a movie about us. <clears throat> and we all showed up with our black dollars and we gave billions of dollars. But we didn't give the billions of dollars to us. We gave it to the studio. So now right. the studios take that money now they're going buying new yachts. They're buying new mansions. They're taking their families on these super high-powered paid vacations, and we're still sitting here trying to figure out what's for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Because none of the wealth went back to us. And also, Black Panther wasn't created by us. It was created by Stan Lee and you know Jack Kirby. So those you know nothing against those guys, but they they created a lot of <clears throat> black heroes. And we didn't. And that's another problem. So now they make the money. They get the money. That's their property. And I don't know if they sold it off and Disney bought it. Now Disney owns my, whoever it is, the studios get the money and they're enjoying it. And the wealth that Black Panther made went to them, not to us. So that's why I want the studio to be built. Because I want us to make films for. Not not for us, but for us and from us. 
but still be for the world. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And, and, and what's, what's different about your business model is it sounds to me like you want to be able to, you're not going to be like um, all of the other black directors out there who only do their own content. It sounds to me like, you, you know, you mentioned War, the Warner Brothers model early on that you want, yeah. to, you want to provide the infrastructure for an underserved population of filmmakers. Also, uh, just so the audience can understand, get a better understanding, let's just take Tyler Perry, for instance, right? I respect Tyler Perry. He's doing his thing, love him, have no, nothing bad to say. But I'm just saying Tyler Perry does Tyler Perry movies. And Tyler Perry has a level or targeted audience that he went after. Right, and he's got his, his niche, yes. His niche, right. He got his niche, and that's his thing. But I don't want people to perceive us or my people as the Tyler Perry movies show us, because that's not us. That may be some of us or a few of us or a small portion of us who are like that, you know, that's what's portrayed in Tyler Perry movies. But we're far much more than that. You know what I mean? We're, 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 we just have so much more to us as a people, and that's not being shown. So with my studio, it's not, I'm not making my movie. I'm making whatever director who comes in. Like, say, for instance, you have a movie, William. You want to come in. We see your script. We like what you got. It's a great script. Boom. That's your movie. That's your creation. Well, yeah, you're an actual independent studio. You're not, like I, like I just said earlier, you're not a director who only does his own stuff. Right. You know, I got nothing against Spike Lee, but he's not out there doing independent movies from other black filmmakers. I got nothing against any of the, you know, the, the let's see, there's what, 14, 15, 16 mainstream black directors, which in itself is an oxymoron. I apologize for that. But but I, you, you're providing an actual studio and studio services and studio coverage for a completely underserved segment of the population. Somebody put yeah. in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the chat room uh, FUBU movie style. So, yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, well, well, actually, FUBU, FUBU movie style would be <laughs> for us, by us, <laughs> and we're funded by us, for us. But yes, they got it right. Fubu style. Um, yes. And also, they're, they're right, because we also, we had to be careful because when, when I first started, I was like, this is a movie studio for us, by us. And I was like, wait a minute, hey, you know what? Fubu. So I can't go that well, or Damien would be like pissed off. So, <laughs> you know, because Damien's the one who started and created Fubu. So we had to go sure. with funded by, we had to go with funded by us for us. Um, but yes, we're, we're taking that that model, not his model to say, but that model, so to speak, that it's it's something that we need, and it's long overdue. And and I like to call this the honest segment. We have to stop complaining about whitewashing. We have to stop complaining about all the stuff Hollywood is doing to us. We have to stop it because it's theirs. 
right? It belongs to them. They can do whatever they want. And as long as we continue to allow them to do that by giving them our dollars, you have no room to complain. So what you have to start doing is investing back into us so we can help you help us make things happen, right? Isn't it a whole thing? And, 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 break, and break that cycle. You, you know, it sounds like that. you want to break the, the current financial cycle. And the current financial cycle is that the studio system is designed to make money for the studios. Um, I saw a very uncomfortable part of a segment where uh, Jordan Peele was being interviewed about Get Out. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the night people, somebody, you know, it wasn't, I don't know if it was Fallon or, you know, one of those night guys. And, they, uh, you know, the, the, the host said, well, you know, you must be rolling in it now, you know, given how much money that, that the, the movie made. And, and Peel got very uncomfortable, and he, he couldn't really say what was on his mind because you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. And, and still, he still needs, you know, you, he still needs the industry because, you know, your studio is not up yet. But what, what most people don't realize is he got one check for that movie. He got a check from mm-hmm. the distributor to distribute Get Out. And that was all he got. He, he didn't have enough power to get points, so he got no money on the sale of the movie, the showing the, in the theaters of the movie. He got none of that money because he didn't have the power to negotiate that because that was his first film. So what, to explain to people who, who may not know much about the industry, what you are contending to do is to provide a studio that, that breaks that cycle. So if, if I, like, let, let's use me. If I come to you with a, if, with a script and we go ahead and we make that movie, and then that movie, and then you have developed, your, your studio has developed the, uh, the distribution channels necessary to get it out there. All right. And so what happens is, instead of you telling me, okay, yeah, uh, we're going to do your movie. Here's your, here's your uh, check for uh, doing the movie. But from here on out, you know, in terms of distribution, we get, we get everything else because we're putting the money for that. What you're saying is, you're creating a business model where you're going to funnel that money right back into either the studio or the content creator, the film producer, the director, whoever yeah. brought you brought the project to, so that there's a constantly a constant recycling of that money for bigger and bigger projects, which keeps which the, which keeps us which keeps the wealth with us. In the house, and in the in, in house, in house. Because I don't want to get people confused. When I say us, I'm talking about us as a collective, us as a people, not us as the studio. Um, right. Because that's and that's our main goal. The main goal for my studio is to keep the wealth back in our hometown. Because right now we we have no wealth. Our community has no wealth. We have no power. We have no say-so. And sad to say, a lot of the, the black entrepreneurs who were very, very successful made money for themselves. So 
they're for themselves and about themselves. <clears throat> they're not for the collective. There's a few of them that are, but the majority of them do things for them. Uh, just throw an example out there. Like, let's say Puff Daddy, for instance. Puff Daddy, he has tons of money, but a lot of things he does is specifically for him. And a lot of people that do charities, they only do that because it helps the taxes and whatever they need to do. If you just do this and give out this money, you'll save this. You know what I mean? So everything is more for them. And I'm not mad at that. But at the end of the day, it's us who helped you get there. You understand? But then you forget about us. And we don't want to forget about us. <clears throat> and that's my whole thing. I don't want to forget about us. I want all of us. So, you know, you, an independent filmmaker, your movie made all this money. Now, we're going to take some of your money, we're going to keep it, give you this amount, then let's say we'll take our share of the money, add to the money that we kept for yours, and then give it back to you to make a bigger film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Everybody eats equally. Well, and that that's the other thing. You know, there there is a lot of greed in the industry, and I think that's, a, you know, a lot of it is based on fear, obviously. You know, people fear that if they lose any of their power, then they're going to lose their money, they're going to lose access to money and things like that. But but the one the one example that just shines through about how how much these gatekeepers, you know, they're using traditional gatekeeping methods. Well, you know, you're an independent. Nobody knows who you are. Therefore, you're, you'll never get visibility. Therefore, we don't want to give you money. Well, you know, you, got, you, you don't have enough white actors in the film, and, you know, we don't think anybody's going to come see a, a movie that's got, you know, a, a predominantly black cast. So, no, you're not going to get money there. And, and really, you know, in order for things to happen, you have to have money. So it sounds to me like one of the big the big considerations that you're you're building into your your enterprise is access to money that has traditionally been denied independence or or black well if somebody puts in here who gives money yeah well you know yeah people lend money you're absolutely right whenever i make a movie i i always calculate that I have to, whoever I borrow money from, I have to calculate that I have to pay 130% back, okay? So they get 30% on their money, and because if anything's done here in, in Illinois, then I get tax credits for anything over, any production over $100,000, and those tax credits go back to the people. So yes, nobody gives money, but there, you still have to have access to money in order to do things. And when, when a George Lucas can't get the money to do Red Tails because it's an all-black cast and has to mortgage his house you know, for whatever short amount of time it was, it's still, you know, you, you still, the, you know, you still have to have money to operate. And you're talking about well, making sure that the money made is cycled back into the people who originally provided the content or created the content or did the movies, right? Right. And let's answer and let's answer that question. Someone said, "Who gives money?" Well, let's just say, let's let's tell them who gives money. Let's ask them when was the last time they've been to the movies. 
and if they give us a time that they last time they've been to the movies, then they give money. It just showed that you went out and gave somebody else your money. Now, he could have meant they could have meant that another way as well. Who just gives money away? We're not saying we're giving money away because we've earned it. The director shot a right. movie. This movie made money. So we don't take his money. We don't say, okay, you made this movie, so we own everything, and your money is our money. What we're saying is the director or the, the company, they get paid like they're supposed to. Then the share that we keep, we add another part to their money. That way, the next time they do a project, they, it's almost like they got money in the bank. But they don't have to beg someone else for it. They got it. They're building so a line of credit, really, essentially. They're built like, so it's not, like, it's not like who gives money. It's who earns money and what you do with it. So essentially, it's not about so much of giving, but we're, 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 showing, we're showing you how to establish and build wealth at the same time. So actually, it's pretty much the money that you earn. Well, and, and yeah, oh, absolutely. And still, the the other part is, is that being able to to finance multi million dollar movies is essentially, you know, the, the bottom line for whether something gets done or not. If somebody can't get the, you know, borrow the money to and to put together a multi million dollar movie. That, that will probably be successful, then, then that's, that's kind of gatekeeper-ish itself. You know, that, that in itself, not having access to the, the available capital, is, is a huge challenge to independents, blacks, Hispanics, you know, Asians, whoever, uh, in, in this underserved, independent movie wannabe, you know, market, correct? And anybody, right, and anybody, it's not about, here's, here's the issue also. I have no problem with gatekeepers. It's just how, how you are as a gatekeeper is that I have a problem with. Because everything needs a gatekeeper. But if the gatekeeper has the same mentality that you do, then you will prosper. But if you have gatekeepers that are greedy and self-serving, then you won't prosper. You just got to be careful about your gatekeepers. Make sure your gatekeepers think like you think. Make sure they understand mm-hmm. the, the goal, the process. Make sure they understand the, the end goal. Make sure they understand the milestones. All, which, what's your milestone? Everything. You know what I mean? And I'm telling you, everyone will eat equally. Even the people who are paying the tickets to be serviced from us as a studio. Studio makes, imagine this, the studio made over a billion dollars just on Black Panther. Can you imagine all the cool stuff they could have did for everybody who, you know, who helped make Black Panther a success? Imagine it. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I just saw somebody posted, where did I see this? I think probably Facebook, which I think is it's starting to be a big waste of time for me. But 
But on Facebook, people are talking about, oh, well, you know, uh, so-and-so is going to get to do more movies because of, you know, doing Black Panther, um, you know, big budget this, that, and the other thing. And, and they fail to realize, or at least they fail to mention, the, the, the baseline fact is that the, one of the reasons why this person is getting these opportunities is because they have proven that they can make money. Mm-hmm. And if you don't e- if you don't even have the opportunity to show that you have you know you can produce a salable commodity, a profitable commodity, then then the cycle is broken before it's even started. And people don't know he had to work hard. He had to make I think about three movies that had to make money before they even looked his way. They didn't yeah. just say, "Oh, you're a director out of school. We're going to give you this movie, Black Panther. Let's see what you do with it." which was a $200 million movie. No, he had to prove that he was capable of making money as a director. And that yeah, I wonder what kind of, Yeah, I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, I wonder how deep they stuck the microscope up his ass while he was doing that movie, you know, because, you know, the kind of oversight that he had to endure handling that amount of money. Because you yeah. don't just get to do, you, you know... Maybe we'll never know. Anyway, um, okay, so... Like someone just said, who gives you money? Well, they gave him $200 million, so they do give you money. It just, you know, you just got to have something to show that you're capable of making that money. That way they know what they give it to you, you want to make it back. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your writing a little bit, you know, because obviously you come at this from a creative bent. Um. Talk a little bit about the kinds of writing that you've done so far. You mentioned, you know, maybe punching up some scripts and things like that. Um, what what else have you done in uh, in that that area of creativity? Um, I love writing. I wouldn't say it's my strong point, but I love it because I can create worlds from it. Um, I think I wrote about thirty five scripts. Um, okay, some of them just because just because I had ideas, and I was like, oh, man, it's a, big, it's a great movie, and I'll just start writing. Others, um, I wrote a bull riding film called The Kids, uh, which I want to get produced, and, you know, it's a country movie, and I never thought I would make a, write a movie about a bull riding script because my field has always been anime and action. And then right. I wrote a couple, couple of horror films. Uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a trilogy for a superhero character called Bane that I created. B-A-Y-N-E, um, and that was great. And eventually that turned into a comic book, which I wrote the comic book for that. The comic book is out. Um, Very cool. So then I wrote another script called Inmates, and another one called Killers of Killers, which I love Killers of Killers because um, it's about an assassin who decides not to do a hit. So the corporation he works for says pretty much if you don't, uh, take out the target, you become the target, and so he becomes the target, and they send every assassin at their disposal internationally after him. So it's just a high-powered, action-packed, filled film. So I, I, uh, let I, me I ask you it. this. Yeah, but given given your record and given your tr- given your track record and, and given the work you've done, do you think it would be very hard for you to get traction, get, get funding to do let's say, a movie that's going to cost you, oh, I don't know, anywhere from 5 to $20 million. Is that something that 
you know, because you, you're you're out there living living in the industry and you're doing quite well. Um, do you think that? And and this is not to say anything against your plan for the the theater, the excuse me, the studio, but do you think that you have the chops or you've demonstrated the chops necessary for someone to take you seriously to fund, you know, some of these scripts that you've got already done? Um, well, somebody already did, um, which is why I'm doing them. Uh, okay, like cool. Earlier, like I said earlier, you know, I'm great to do Dead to Rights, and then after that, I'm doing Killers and Killers, and then um, Inmate. So somebody already believes in that. Um, I think given my past history, showing, you know, taking back to the conversation we had earlier, showing that I'm capable of carrying an entire film, um, which right. is not easy to do, has already put me up there with the best of them. Like, okay, we can put this guy in a movie and he can handle an entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, is it feasible with somebody give me $20 million? Maybe, because they'll see the consistency once they look at my history. Okay, you've been at this since 1995 and you've been pretty consistent. And most of the time, investors are really concerned about consistency. You know, if you just kind of random or in and out and just here and there, they, they won't really deal with you. But if you're consistent, it's a, they'll have a better chance of sitting down with you. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, when do you think that uh, your next step in creating your studio is going to be completed, and and what what is that step? You mentioned the business plan. Okay, yeah, you got to do a business plan. But are you are you looking for people to join you in your venture at this point, or is that a little bit premature? Um, I'm always looking for people to join me, but you know, I get offers every day. You know. But it's not the right kind of offers. People see what I'm doing. They they love the intros that I post up um, about the studio. Um, they feel drawn in about what I say. They love my personal appearances that I make. <clears throat> and they always offer, they got cameras, I got equipment, or I got, you know, uh, writing skills and talents. Those are all the things I will need after the fact. But those aren't the things I need now. Um, now, it's, it's, you know, I need people that understand business. Uh, lawyers, CPAs, um, I need production managers who understand the lay of the land, real estate agents who understand real estate to a point, uh, well, who understand industrial real estate. Uh, oh, for the actual know, location of your studio? Right, for, the, for finding buildings in industrial areas where we can build on. So that's the kind of help I need. Um, are, you, help, are you going... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just saying the creative help can come later. Okay. And um, have you chosen a location where you're going to locate the studio? Do you want to be out there, or are you going to look in one of these these up-and-coming, you know, you've got Atlanta, you've got Louisiana, you've got Illinois, you have, uh, I think Alabama has good tax credits and very attractive terms for movie-making. Uh, well, I'll Georgia. Probably, I'll, probably, I'll probably do it in the and and I probably do it at the source of Hollywood making. 
Um, okay. Atlanta's pretty much covered. A few other places got studios out there in their places as well. But I, I would make a lot of my films in places that have great tax incentives. Um, I think we would do well. Um, and it, it also gets my people out because they get to travel, um, which is a good thing. So if we're in California and they want to come to Illinois and shoot a movie, you know, great tax incentives. They want to shoot in Chicago or Detroit. They want to shoot in Beijing or uh, Bali or if they want to go to Dubai or whatever. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> it gives them a chance to travel the world as well. So it's a lot of things that I'm I'm looking forward to as far as um, when it comes to building the studio and then getting out and then making the films elsewhere. So you, you, it, it sounds like you really have the the, the whole structure of uh, your your business arc already planned out. Um, talk about the challenges of finding money at this point for you. Um, I think the challenges of finding financing will just be the investor believing in the vision that we will set forth. Um, and the, the ability to execute? And the, and the ability to execute. They'd be like, well, you're a first-timer. Why should we give you $150 million or $50 million for this building? And what are the returns we're going to get back? And how do we know we'll get this money back? And there's just so many questions that need to be answered, which would have to be shown in the business plan. Because for some reason, they don't believe what you say, <laughs> but they believe what you put on paper. Isn't that isn't yeah. it, isn't it just ironic? You know? Yeah, it is. So, but you know what? You, I keep thinking back to that example. Um, I've I've done a lot of business plans for a lot of people here in the Chicago area, and you know, or people will come to me and say, "Hey, could you help us produce this movie and uh, take a look at the script? Do this, do this, this." And I go, "Okay, so um, do you have a business plan for?" doing this production and they go oh you know I, I don't I don't think we really need that you know and plus I don't have enough time I'm, I'm too busy keeping it real and you know I don't think there's anything more real than borrowing somebody else's money um, just between you and me because you do have to pay it back and if you borrow from the wrong people you could lose your legs your knees your ankles whatever so so you know the thing that that I always come back to when I look at something, you know, somebody doing a new venture is, uh, have they really thought this out? And the fact that you're doing a business plan, that's a good thing, obviously, because a lot of people don't. And and what people don't realize is that a business plan is a roadmap to how your business is going to start and function. So, you know, do you have, once you get all of your, business documentation, the, 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 the entity and all of that together, um, do you have possible places where you can look to start looking for uh, funding to do productions for people and things like that? Or, or are, you just, are you still in the building stage? Um kind of both in a sense. We're still in the building stage because <clears throat> As long as as long as we're working on finishing, not just a business plan, because anybody can make a business plan, but right, I think it's going to take us maybe take us a little longer because we're building a comprehensive 
business plan, which is totally different than a business plan. You know, you can make a business plan for opening up an ice cream stand, but yeah, that's up true. A movie studio was totally different, so it needs to be a little bit more comprehensive. And uh, so it's, it's it's like we're still building, but at the same time, we're keeping the doors open to people that we can talk to, and 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 it's kind of like I like to put those people the nosebleed section for now because as long as we're building our infrastructure, it's kind of no point in talking with them just yet because they'll ask the same question that everyone else will ask. Well, do you have a business plan ready? <laughs> sure. And sure. Oh, yeah. Real, serious business people will ask you that first. Well, what's your business plan? Uh Oh, you, you do have one? Oh, great. Uh, can we see it? Um, <laughs> wow, it looks like you pretty much got the numbers together. You seem like you got your 10-year plan. You seem like you got, you know, the graphs, your charts are on point. The numbers are, are, are legit. And then You've surrounded talk, yourself with good people. Right, because then they want to know, well, you know, what's the next phase? Well, we got to purchase the building. But what do you have lined up? we got 10 films on our slate. Wow. Okay, got ten films ready to go. Ten films ready to go. What's the market capability of these films? Well, these films are known to gross over a uh, hundred million dollars. Right. With small budgets. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Here are twenty different films that came out with these budgets and made this kind of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it makes the conversation a lot easier. Mm-hmm, hmm Well, I, you know, and, I, I want to get on your list because I've got, you know, I do, I, I actually have a full script ready to go um, and and actually even did a uh, a production trailer for it, which you can look at up, up on my YouTube channel. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up on that a little bit later when you're ready. How does that sound? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> And, and 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 that's good. You get the list get the list building because these are questions that some investors will ask and some won't. But it's better to have be, you know, have your weapons and be armed to the teeth than not. Well, and that's the other thing too. I would imagine that when when you start, you know, when you're actually ready to to hit the ground running. You can't tell people, well, you know, they're going to say, well, what do you have on your plate? And like you said, well, we've got, uh, we've got 10 scripts that we're ready to make right now. You know, you don't want to tell them, well, we're looking for something. You know, we're, we're, we're in the process. Um, because let's be honest, things, things don't happen serially. They happen in parallel. You know, a lot of things happen at, at, at one time. So that that's always good to have a lot of stuff queued up for you. Yes. Uh, better to have it in ready. Yeah. And then if you, if you were going to, let's, let's talk about your dream movie. Do you have a dream script that you've written that you've got, you know, that you're kind of holding on to? Like I do. I've got this one. It's a, a comedic bank heist movie. But, I mean, do you have something like that that you've been thinking about that you would really love to see done and this might, and not because you, not, not that you would just automatically just do your stuff first, but 
do you have projects that that you think are ready to to go when the timing is right? Yes, I got three films. Um, but one of them is my dream project to do. But if I was able to do them in order, I would do my Bane script first, which is supernatural, super unnatural vampire, I mean werewolf vampire film. Okay. Then I would do Wolfpack. Then I would do Wolfpack, which is about military werewolves. But my dream film would be The Holy Book of God. It's a, a straight action, supernatural action film. And uh, I've always loved that script the most because it's pretty much about the war in heaven took place. Uh, the uh, angels on one side wound up getting the Holy Book of God uh, from the good angels, and then they got when they got cast. That's what they got cast out for. And when they fell to earth, the book was with them. So now in this day, now in this day and age, uh, they're here looking for the book. And they're not taking no prisoners. So, you know, it's not like your typical uh, how the story starts. You know how the movie starts. You know, there's this search for this. Like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's this search for this artifact. And, you know, they're looking. No, they just show up, start killing everybody and everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they, they say that, you know, these, these days you want your movie to jump out to a, bit, a fast start at the very beginning. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. They just show up just murdering everybody. And then uh, this young this young guy winds up becoming an archangel and he takes on uh the three three demons. So you know after they got cast out, you know, they became uh demons. So mm-hmm. it's pretty much it's an intense film. I'm talking about like it when sounds they, like I'm, it. Talking about the, I'm talking about the feathers from the angels, they shoot off like bullets. They shoot from their wings. So it's all kinds <laughs> okay. of stuff going on. Oh, it's intense. Love it. It's called the Holy Book of God. Yeah. Man. With, you know, and just thinking about that, having to do special effects and things like that, um, how important is being able to network with effective uh, other contractors to you? It's very important because when you've got a relationship with people that, that understand special effects, I'm not talking about like, uh, I'm just talking about like, I'm not talking about uh, physical special effects. We're just talking about like just dealing with uh, CGI. You know, you've got to okay. have relationships with those people. Um, and then you also definitely got to have relationship with people with physical uh, physical effects because those people go back to Stan Winston, like back in the howling, the days of the howling, and remember It's Alive and all those movies where it was so realistic. That's because they were because these real effects. They weren't relying on CGI to handle their business. Mm-hmm. So, um, having those relationships also helps your budget. Um, because they're willing to take shortcuts and try to help you get this movie made because they believe in it. See, relationships are about people believing in what you're doing, and then you guys work together to a common goal. And then once you see that common goal, everyone eats very healthy. Yeah. Well, I you know the next so um, I guess the next thing where if people are interested in your idea 
and and maybe interested in in contributing or you know it sounds like something that they would want to do you know are are you entertaining you know offers of help and things like that now or is that a little bit premature i'm i'm all i'm always entertaining uh offers from people but i like to have something that when i say i would love your help that i can be actually working on it Right. You know, like, okay, I'm getting ready to make this happen, or I got the money for this, so let all the people who wanted to get on board come on down. You know, you said you wanted to do this, you said you could do that. You know, actually, I can put some money in your pocket at the same time. Come on, let's make this movie. But you don't want to be premature with it, and then people are just kind of just sitting around like, yeah. Then that, that yeah. love and that well, energy dies off. Well, that the whole you know, if truth be told, the whole movie industry is hurry up and wait, you know, get everybody together, and then you have to sit there till everything's ready. Um, yeah, and and you don't want to you don't want to squander the momentum either, you know, for people who nope. might be enthusiastic about an idea. Nope. So if you look back, if or excuse me, looking forward, um, let's let's. Let's kind of use your imagination and let's jump forward five years. Where do you think you're going to be five years from now? On set. Okay. And what about the infrastructure for the studio? Where do you think that's going to be? Oh, man, one of the most powerful studios in the nation. People will be looking at, the people will be looking at us like we are the next like we are the next Warner Brothers or Sony's or Paramount. We will be talked about five years. We will be up and running like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Quality, quality film. And, it's, and I'm glad because we can sit back and watch what other people are doing and not do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they say, if you want to be a sculptor, what do you do? Well, you take a big piece of rock and then you cut away everything that's not what you want it to be. You look out there. I mean, exactly. and you know what? That's the other thing. I've noticed uh, something that always cracked me up, and I did make a joke um, doing stand-up with, when uh, people, you know, it's like when people come into money or people start a new business or people start something new, they get so excited and then they forget their good sense. You know, it's like, it's like uh, these NBA guys who all of a sudden out of college, they've got a, you know, a $25 million contract. You know, someone should tie their ass to a chair and make them watch every episode of VH1 behind the music so that they can see all the stuff that they're not supposed to do, you know? Right. The, the MC <laughs> Hammer uh, 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 lesson. So, so you're, you're already thinking ahead to the pitfalls that other people have run into that you don't want to have happen to you, correct? And also, I'm looking at, man, if, if I was them, I would do this. So because I am them, I'm going to do this. Okay. You know, so for instance, remember I was saying like, okay, well, if I was, well, Warner Brothers should do this. Netflix should do that. But since they're not doing it, I'll do it. And that's how trendsetters are. Trendsetters are made by that. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, you know, not not your first movie, but I'm working looking forward to that blockbuster hit that you do, whether it be movie or TV, that does what uh, what uh, what was that TV show that does what Luke Cage did when Luke Cage right. broke Netflix for three days. I can't. I can't wait for you to achieve that level of success. That's what I'm going for. That's the goal. And uh, you know, and movies. Is, I love movies, but it's so much more fun getting the long money and having long work. Because if you're doing TV series, people will always have work. Right. Movies is short, short term. TV shows people come to work every day like a job. Make nice fat paychecks, right. home to their families, able to support their people, and then we all win in the end. Yeah, I, I've I've done kind of a, a reversal on um, you know my uh, my my series of of uh, books, and they say, well, do you want to make uh, movies out of it or a TV show? And I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about doing the TV angle. And the reason why is uh, I, I'd love to get that serial paycheck, you know, to be able to, like you said, go, let's say let's say it runs for two three years. That's steady work for two three years. Mm-hmm. Whereas a movie, you get you get you know you get one check for ten what ten months worth of work or however long it takes, and and that's it. So yeah, I I got that. But oh hey, I do have a movie. That uh, that I I would love for you to do, and what it is is it's an urban adaptation of uh, a Christmas Carol. You know the, the 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 Dickens story with the the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Yeah, yeah. I want to do something like that. Do an urban adaptation of that. Yeah, and I know that people are going, well, why did you say that out loud? Now somebody's going to steal your idea, and I'm not worried about that because nobody listens to this show anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, I, you know, there's and and people go, well, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do a Christmas story? And I go because if it's good enough, and it doesn't even have to be that good, they're gonna play it every Christmas, and I get a check every year. You know what I mean? Right. See, that's and so you gotta look. You, yeah, you gotta look long term at that. So all right. So and if you were to look back upon, you know what you did, and it sounds like you had a very, very smooth introduction into, you know, Hollywood. Um, it, what what would you, is there anything where you could turn and point to and say, you know, that was a mistake, I never should have done that, that really set me back? You know, was there something that happened that that was a setback for you and and that you would like to advise someone, you know, just starting out, like you getting off the bus, hopefully not in San Francisco, um, getting off the bus and and say, hey, whatever you do, don't do that. Um, the only thing I would advise people is, don't be arrogant. Don't come out here thinking you know everything, and uh, just stay focused on the dream and don't believe everything you hear, and stay quiet. Just pay attention. Because um, there, there are a lot of myths and legends, and if you get caught up in a lot of them, you'll be further behind in the industry than you desire to be. Okay. Um, example, just a quick example, just so people who don't understand the industry. There's union and then there's non-union. So a lot of people believe if you're union, you can't do non-union work. 
Well, unless you're making 130000 a picture and more, then, yeah, SAG will be looking at you. But if you're just starting out and you're just trying to get your SAG card, you got to do non-union work because most of the time there's more non-union work than there is union work. But now SAG okay. has made it easier. Now the union has made it much easier. If you want to do non-union work, you just fill out a certain form and you can, you can go off the radar to do some non-union films and then come back and be on your union. See, they didn't have that when I started out. It was just if you did some SAG, if you were SAG, you did non-union stuff, you would get in trouble. But that was like anything. It, it's a myth like Venezuela. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, some things become a talking point and people just, oh, you know, I heard it's like this. Well, that's a talking point. That's not true. Have you yourself experienced it? No. Then why are you even using it as a talking point? So it's, it's just pay attention and just get yourself an agent and a manager um, or just get an agent and just do your best. Go after everything, you know, try to get on school projects like L.A. Film School, AFI, uh, American Film Institute, and go to places like that and get in student films and build your resume and become your own person. Or you can spend hundreds and of thousands of dollars on acting classes instead of just being in, the, being in the field on student films. Right. Yeah, here in Chicago we've got Columbia and, you know, Columbia students are making movies all the time. You know, we've got a lot of talent just in town here. Um, and and uh, there were, let's see, we did, a, did one film where we had, to ha had, we had two SAG actors, and all they had to do was they had to fill out a waiver and file it, and that was it, and they could work. You know, so, yeah, you're, you know, that's, that's a good point. Know what you're talking about. And, and pay attention. So that, that makes sense too. Now, um, someone, I, I, I apologize, someone asked earlier, uh, do you plan on attending um, any of these comic conventions, maybe Pressing the Flesh, uh, you know, what, whatever you would do during, you know, like a, I guess like, a, what is that, Comic-Con or something like that. Are, are you, do you habitually even go to anything like that at this point? Um. Well, I uh, first went the my first experience I went to San Diego Comic Con. Um, I cosplayed my own comic character who actually won for Best Original Weapons, Best Original Costume. And nice. I think it I think it was because everybody was dressed as either Aquaman, Batman or Spider Man, so it was easy to win that. Um, and I've been to the Long Beach Comic Con, uh Stan Lee Comic Con. Um, I just got invited. Uh, to be flown out to do the Philadelphia Comic Con. So um, yeah, I'm all about I'm all about Comic Cons. I mean, come on now. I just I just told you earlier. I grew up on comic books, kung fu movies, cartoons, and anime. That that's my life. I love it. Um, uh, and Comic Cons, especially smaller independent ones, are are amazing. So if I could be on panels on a lot of those, I would definitely try to hit as many as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's my long that's my long term goal because I, I love fans I love people I love the questions um, I enjoy it I, I I love people and and do you have any uh, do you have any appearances or anything that someone should be looking out for over the next few months or uh, or even uh, yeah. uh, movies or anything coming out I have 
Comic Con that I'm attending, I think it should be end of March and or April. But um, I'm going to be in Philadelphia uh, doing the Comic Con out there. I'm excited. Um, I don't know the exact dates yet um, that they have prescribed for me, but um, I will be there in Philly. And uh, once I find out, I'll let the world know. Uh, that's going to be really exciting. Mhm, mhm. And then uh, the movie got coming out. Um, it's a film, like I said earlier, it's a film called Lazarus. So we'll be looking out for that. That should be out during the summertime, sometime in uh, maybe mid June or beginning of July. But right now, I'm pretty hard. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said, but my main focus is just trying to get this studio built. And for people who just kind of want to keep watch on what's happening, should they just keep uh, looking, uh, check check you out on Facebook? Is that the easiest place to keep track? Yeah, they can follow me on, uh, they can definitely follow me on Facebook. Uh, Like I said, China McCoy fan page and or they can go to Instagram uh, as well, which is China McCoy. They can find me there. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you got in the car. I, I know you had said you had to kind of take off. Yeah. Um, well, any last words that you want to share with the audience, and then we can we can kind of close out the show just a couple minutes early so you can get on your way. Um, I'm just thankful that anybody even showed up since nobody actually listens to this show. But, uh... <laughs> but I really, I really appreciate everybody who did show up. I, I appreciate the questions. Um, they're always welcome to inbox me uh, if they have more questions. And of course, I like to talk to everybody. So you know, my wife gets on me about that. She's like, "You talk to everybody." But uh, <laughs> but uh, they can inbox. Still me. married? I, yeah. Well, I love her to death, so I'm going to be married. I told her I told her I was gonna be married for another, you know, few years. She goes, No, forever or never. <laughs> so there's no getting out of it. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> but um yeah, um I just wanna thank everybody for, you know, coming out, listening once again and just for the questions and if any of them have any inclination of coming out to Hollywood, don't think about it, just do it. Just come out here, chase the dream. There's more info. There's more information now on how to come out to Hollywood and get started than there was when I did it. Yeah. yeah now you can go to UT University. Huh? It, with, with, all of, you know, with all of this content that's being created, are you finding it easier for people to get work or not? Much easier because a lot of people – don't have to come to Hollywood. Like, they can make movies in Chicago, in Detroit, in Seattle. They can make movies anywhere. They don't actually need to be at the source, but a lot of people want to be at the source because I think they're aiming for something higher, or maybe it's just the allure that they're aiming after. But to some degree, you still have to be at the source of where movies are made. You know, to get that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes things go quicker too when you're there because there's there's it's because of the denseness of the industry. 
Like there's more, there's more of it. Um, yeah, we've got more actors here, more stuntmen, more producers, more writers, more directors. Everything is just right there, you know, on deck. You don't have to look for it. I can get on right. Facebook right now and say I need ten stuntmen and fifty will show up. Yeah. Well, look, I want to thank you for taking your time. I know that we kind of messed up the schedule a little bit, but I want to thank you for doing it anyway. And uh, for people who want to keep up with with China, hit him up on his fan page on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, do you do you do that twit, uh, Twitter thing? China? No. No, okay. no, I'm not no, a big no Twitter person. Twitter. Okay. And uh, just keep watch and uh, keep keep an eye out for for how things are proceeding with the uh, with the studio. And you settled on Appreciate a name. It. You settled on a name um, for, the, for the studio, right? Go ahead. I, I, I still love the collective. Uh, that's, that that's, what was that number? Still, that collective. The collective. Okay. Yeah, eighteen sixty three the collective. Okay. Very cool. Well thank you very much for showing up, man, and, and thank you for uh, taking your time out. I know it kinda was inconvenient for you, but I do want to thank you on behalf of everybody who listens to the show, behalf of uh Jarvis and myself, I'm I'm very, very happy that you were able to show up. So thanks very much. Appreciate it, my brother. Tell Jarvis I said hello and uh we'll be talking soon. All right. Take care. All righty. Have a good weekend. You too, brother. All right, everybody. That's okay. All right, everybody. That's our show for uh, this weekend. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, on behalf of Jarvis and myself, I want to thank those who listen live and also those who picked this up as a podcast. Uh, be sure to check out LikeScienceFictionSociety.com. Uh, uh, oops. Um, anyway, thanks for coming to the show. I want to thank everybody. Um, Jarvis is someplace. He was listening. Anyway, uh, take a look at the site, blacksciencefictionsociety.com. Also, for uh, the BSFS in-house production, Go to earthsquadron.com, and you can see the latest on the production of our own 3D animated movie. Uh, check out Tuesdays. Talk about it Tuesdays. Also, a great podcast presented by blacksciencefictionsociety.com. And uh, the, these are great reviews that uh, Stephen Alexander does. He even was kind enough to review my work. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to talk about. You know, I'm heading out to Boston, then I'm going to uh, Arkansas, and then after that, down to Tallahassee, Florida. So, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to go through whatever you have to go through to get through an airport a lot of times very, very soon. But in the meantime, please check out the site, check out the, the uh, Facebook page, Look at all of the things that BlackScienceFictionSociety.com has to offer because there is content there, and it's been around. The site's been around for 10 years. It has certainly stood the test of time. 
And, uh, you know, also, thank you for checking out this show. Hope we'll have a new guest for you next weekend. Until then, I'm going to just say everybody have a great weekend ahead, and we look forward to having you here next Friday. So good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.